As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Take care of us. Hey, folks, this is Joe Britt. Coming in from Studio B. We're out to California. Got your racing TV. Got your racing TV. KCAA Loma Linda, 10.50 AM, K292FQ Riverside, and K293CF Moreno Valley. This message is from DNA Financial Group, a taxpayer advocacy group who can represent you before the IRS and help you resolve your IRS problems. On March 21, 2020, the IRS extended the tax day deadline from April 15th to July 15, 2020. This deferment of filing and paying applies to all taxpayers, including individuals, trusts, and estates, corporations, and other non-corporate tax filers, as well as those who pay self-employment tax. On March 25, 2020, the IRS launched its People First Initiative to provide financial relief for certain taxpayers. This initiative provides a blanket hold of enforced collections, including liens and levies, until July 15, 2020, for nearly all taxpayers, businesses, and individuals alike. This initiative also stops all installment agreement and offering compromise payments until July 15, 2020. Individuals and businesses in direct debit installment agreements are encouraged to contact their banks for stop payments. If you have submitted an offering compromise, the IRS is providing an automatic extension of time for approvals until July 15, 2020. This message is from DNA Financial Group. DNA Financial Group helps businesses and individuals resolve IRS problems. DNA provides an alternative to the impersonal approach of other IRS resolution firms. DNA will address your IRS problems with personal attention and creative strategies that will resolve your IRS issues. Call DNA Financial Group at 866-201-0156. DNA has a simple motto, your success is our success. Visit the DNA website at www.dnafingroup.com or call DNA at 866-201-0156. Here's the legend of Mountain Mike's Pizza. There's a tale the early settlers tell that while panning for gold just below San Francisco near the Redwoods, a unique discovery was made. Not just gold in the ground, but the golden smell of Mountain Mike's Pizza and their fresh homemade pepperonis. A taste the 49ers from all over California couldn't pass up. It was pizza from the mountaintop, pizza the way it ought to be. Since 70 ought plus 8, Mountain Mike's has been dishing up pizza dough rolled fresh daily using real whole milk mozzarella with mouth watering delicious fresh ingredients including their legendary crisp curly pepperoni that makes their pizza sought after like the gold of the 1800s. Now, Mountain Mike's has come to Redlands, located at the Redlands Packing House District near Sprouts. Feed your family for the holidays at mountainmikespizza.com or 909-335-1133. That's 909-335-1133 and discover this pizza gold for yourself. Google Mountain Mike's Redlands. Hey, this is Gary Garver. You know, I've been having trouble getting a good night's sleep lately. Maybe you have too. Well, if you have been... 
South Pacific Sleep Lab can help you out. South Pacific Sleep Lab provides a personal study to help you find out how to get a great night of sleep. I've been having sleeping issues during the night lately for a number of reasons. South Pacific Sleep Lab evaluated me with an overnight study of my sleep pattern. With their professional staff, they were able to provide me with a diagnosis of my sleep pattern. And ever since, I haven't had much of a problem getting a great night of sleep. South Pacific Sleep Lab has locations throughout Southern California, including one in Fontana, and they will provide transportation to any of their locations at no cost to you. South Pacific Sleep Lab can help you out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just give them a call at 844-SAD-5050 to schedule your appointment today. That's 844-SAD-5050. Lalama Chiropractic reminds us that during this time of uncertainty, Lalama Chiropractic in San Bernardino is still open for business and optimistic about the future of our community and encourages everyone to support your local businesses. Together, we will get through this. That's courtesy of your good friends at Lalama Chiropractic in San Bernardino and Fontana. Call 909-884-6677 for personalized attention and proven results. Lalama Chiropractic is on the air because they care about the families in our area. Call 909-884-6677. Listen up, folks. Work injuries can be devastating and life-changing. If you were injured at work, you probably have a lot of questions. I'm attorney Daniel Rudbari, and I represent injured workers. Call me for your free consultation at 800-325-1454. I'll answer your questions and advise you on how to protect your right to make sure you get the workers' compensation benefits you may be entitled to. 800-325-1454. 800-325-1454. Men, it's time to stay sharp. Now or any time is the time to stay sharp. Have a holiday or a special event coming up? Maybe you just want to look good for that special someone. If staying sharp is important to you, then look good with the all-new Stay Sharp Barber Shop in Redlands. Get a precision blade cut or barber trim from the master barbers at Stay Sharp. It's clean, convenient, and cool. Watch sports on one of the many big screen TVs. Kick back with an adult beverage and a warm towel afterwards. Tapers, crop tops, gentlemen's cuts. Fauxhawks, skin fades, comb-overs, hot towel shaves, and hair design. Gentlemen, treat yourself to the special service at Stay Sharp. Walk-ins are welcome. Stay Sharp Barbershop at the Tri-City Center, just off Interstate 10 and the 215 between Alabama and Tennessee on the south side of the freeway. Call 909-272-2931. That's 909-272-2931. And You've heard AM. You've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio. The world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back once again to the longest running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. Yes, indeed, your host here, Eric Cavanaugh. And we're going to talk about a pretty interesting topic. Uh, it's one that's never going to go away, folks. I can promise you it's getting more dynamic by the day. The topic is safe and sound, the next generation of cyber security. And uh, for anyone who's been hacked, for anyone who's had their identity stolen, for anyone who has uh, suffered from ransomware, you know how dangerous it is out there. I've uh, dealt with some of that nonsense myself. Watch out for clicking on links and emails from people you don't know. They've gotten pretty good, too, in how they, uh, they do that. I got one apparently from Verizon a few, a few months ago, and it was a very realistic-looking email it looked just like one you would get from verizon and it was my phone bill and it was like three thousand two hundred and sixty eight dollars and the idea is you click on that link you go holy christmas you click on a link and bam you are now uh you are now hacked so that's just one tiny part though phishing they call it phishing expeditions p-h-i-s-h-i-n-g Cybersecurity is so incredibly complex these days and folks i'm very excited to have several guests 
We have Paul Lipman from a company called Bullguard, Kino Fisher from our friends at Julia Computing, and Adam Devine of a company called AnyVision, all doing cool work in the space of cybersecurity. So with that, I'll bring in our first guest, Paul Lipman from Bullguard. Welcome to DM Radio. Tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you folks are doing to improve cybersecurity. Thanks, Eric. Great to be here on the show. Uh, and uh, I'm Paul Lipman. I'm the CEO of Bullguard. Um, Bullguard is a cybersecurity company company. We've been in business for over 16 years uh, and principally focused on keeping consumers and small businesses protected. And, and one of the, the things I think is probably the most problematic uh, issue that we see in the cyber world today uh, is the, the rapid increase in ransomware as, mm -hmm. as a threat vector. So for those who aren't aware, ransomware is a, a piece of malware um, that will uh, get onto your PC or to your server, uh, will encrypt all of the files on your device, and then uh, ask you to pay a ransom, typically in Bitcoin, which is essentially untraceable, in order to get those files back. I actually had a family member who was affected by ransomware. Uh, family member is in the medical business, has a small office. Um, his systems were uh, attacked by ransomware, and, and he ended up having to pay um, a very large amount of money oh. to uh, retrieve the files. It was over oh. $25,000, and then it took oh. him, took his business down for three or four days. Um, so it's a very real problem uh, affecting not just consumers, but businesses as well. And that's one of the parts of our business is keeping our customers protected against those kinds of threats. Yeah, and uh, thank you for doing that, by the way, because I appreciate that you're helping small businesses and individuals. Many of the companies that focus on this space are really focused much more on larger enterprises for the obvious reason that there's more money to be made, at least per deal, right? If you, if you do a good job, you can make a lot of money on small ticket uh, sales. But nonetheless, you're right that ransomware is very serious, and I'll just throw it out to folks. Back up and restore, man. You got to have your disaster recovery plan have some way to roll back uh, your data such that you don't wind up beholden to these people because they are absolutely ruthless, right, Paul? A absolutely. And, and that, that, that advice is spot on, Eric. And in my uh, relative's case, uh, he, he was in the, the midst of a, uh, a system changeover and, and had stopped backing up. And so went a couple of days with no backups, uh, and uh, that's when they oh. when they got him with the ransomware. Oh, no. uh, a lesson a lesson hard learned. You won't do that again in a hurry. He has assured me. And you know it's interesting. We've we've talked to thousands of, of small businesses. We did a, a survey a few months back and, and spoke to several thousand small businesses in North America and several thousand uh, in the UK to to understand what is it that they're doing today. What are their attitudes towards staying protected and and the results were pretty shocking but not altogether unsurprising so we, we found about a third are using free consumer uh, antivirus and more often than not uh, mm. not updated or not consistent something like a fifth of them were doing literally nothing um, and 60 percent of them believe that they wouldn't be affected that cybercrime was something that affects large enterprises governments but not something uh, that affects the small lawyer firm, accounting firm, flower shop, or, or what have you. Uh, wow. And the reality is that the cyber criminals are going after the low-hanging fruit, right? So, um, yes, smaller ticket uh, going after the thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand uh, dollar uh, ransom uh, compared to going after the the IBMs and the GEs of the world. But the small business is the the exposed, the poorly protected part of the continuum and so the cyber criminals know this um, they're focused on small business and if you're not adequately protected uh, you really need to take action yeah and it, i will say that lots of antiviral software packages are very intrusive to your machine i've run into all kinds of problems over the years of certain applications not working well or getting truncated the connections to them because of virus antivirus software so it's a real sticky wicket in that sense right because number one it's just hard to stay on top of all these threats and all the mechanisms by which they operate uh, but number two even if you have good software it can disrupt your other applications i think that's all part and parcel to why it's such a complicated issue right paul yeah, I think it's a couple of things. And certainly, I mean, look, the antivirus industry does not have the best 
reputation historically in terms of the uh, effect of performance on devices. I, I think we've come a long way. Certainly at Bullgarb, we've we've come a long way. But talking more generally, I think the industry has come a long way. I, I think secondly, um, what we've certainly focused uh, on doing is providing very simple uh, but very powerful controls to businesses. So rather than it being a highly technical, highly complex area that you have to be an expert to use, because let's face it, the average small business owner doesn't have the budget to go hire uh, a cyber expert, certainly doesn't have the time and, and nor should they have the, uh, the necessity to become an expert themselves. They need tools that are simple to deploy, simple to use, that keep their business protected and let them get on with doing what they're good at doing. Uh, I think the third, the really interesting kind of part of the of the industry, certainly um, from my perspective, is that we are increasingly utilizing uh, some very advanced technologies like machine learning, deep learning, um, to stay ahead of the threat. Um, the, the really problematic part in cybersecurity is not the virus that's been around for 10 or 20 years, but it's the new threat dreamt up by a cybersecurity cyber criminal uh, launched out into the wild that nobody's ever seen before. Uh, and so we have to use technologies like machine learning that look for patterns in behavior of files that look at a machine and say, hang on a second, there's something here that seems out of the ordinary. And we've seen that behavior before. And that's been correlated with malicious activity. We're going to block that process, stop it from causing damage, keep the customer protected. So there's, there's a lot at play there. Uh, but again, the key is to deliver that in a very simple uh, and very easy to uh, to utilize fashion. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's actually a good segue to bring in our next guest, because really anomaly detection is so important in cybersecurity. And that anomaly can have any shape or size to it. The point is, it's just different. It is a different kind of activity. It's not something that you expect in your environment. And that's really how a lot of these technologies work these days. You get a profile. In other words, the, the software that you use to protect yourself, you install it. And over a period of time, it will create a baseline for understanding what kind of network activity you have, who's logging in, what devices are, are passing data around, all that stuff. That becomes the baseline of the profile. And when you have something strange occur, that's the anomaly. Take a look at that. Try to figure that out. It's not the easiest thing to pull off, but the point is uh, it definitely helps you understand when something strange happens, and that's how you can identify that you have a potential problem. And uh, with that, I'll bring in Kino Fisher from Julia Computing. Julia is the programming language for artificial intelligence. Kino, tell us a bit about uh, threat modeling and how you help your customers with artificial intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just to introduce myself briefly, uh, my name is Keno Fisher. I am the CTO at Julia Computing. Um, and as you correctly mentioned, we do a lot of work um, in these kinds of advanced algorithms. So we you know, have a lot of experience in machine learning. Um, Julia is one of the sort of top three most used languages in the machine learning space. A lot of the novel machine learning research um, is, is being done in Julia. Um, and not just machine learning, but also uh, things like cryptography, right? So if we're talking about cybersecurity, there's, you know, always two aspects. You know, there's the defense and the preparation, and then the, and uh, on the other hand, there's the response. So um, if you, you know, make it impossible for somebody to look at your data through proper cryptography and um, through proper operational principles, uh, then maybe you won't have a big a uh, big incident on your hands later when somebody does actually get around um, get around to breaking into your system. So, you know, it might be a little bit unusual for a programming languages company to be involved in this kind of space, but as we see these threats and as we see um, uh, as we see the attacks getting more sophisticated, uh, we are seeing a need for more and more advanced technology on the defensive side as well. So uh, that includes machine learning, as we just discussed. Anomaly detection is certainly a big one. And I think uh, that technology is, uh, is just entirely nascent. So um, mm -hmm. you, may, you may have a ton of data, but how do you actually use that to, um, 
predict whether any particular application is going to be malicious. And I think it's also a, an issue of how do you balance that with, with privacy concerns, right? Because the best way to gather all this data would be, um, uh, would be to just you know, collect all this data centrally from all the machines that you have access to. But yeah. how do you know you're not in the process you know, moving some sensitive data across the network that you shouldn't be. Yeah, well, that's a huge challenge these days. And I think it's one that is uh, causing many organizations to think twice about their processes, about their data, about access to their data. And I'd say the good news there is we're getting better and better with technologies that can scan networks and information systems to find personally identifiable information and then place a separate policy around protecting that. But nonetheless, especially for large organizations that have been around for 20, 30, 50 years, there are incredibly diverse uh, topographies of systems out there. Those are extremely difficult to navigate and to manage. And so I think for those companies, the challenge is, is quite stark. What do you think, Kino? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I, I think the, the private data problem is, is a huge one because you know, on the one hand, there's obviously just issues of knowing what data you have, but then sometimes even if you know it, you know, you may just not trust that, um, you know, all the parties that need to have access to it in order to, um, uh, to work with it should actually have access. So, you know, the example that I really like to use is uh, all these machine learning advances that the cloud providers are pushing on us. So, you know, your, your Amazon Alexa, right? Your, you know, Google phone that automatically uploads your images to Google, um, for doing various uh, machine learning analysis and classification. And obviously these things are very useful. I mean, you know, I, I really love my, uh, uh, my phone, you know, being able to set an alarm by just talking to it. But I am aware that every time I do that, I upload a copy of my voice print to right. Google. And, you know, I happen to think that Google has very good security, so I happen to trust them. But these are fundamental... Uh, challenges of, of, of trust and integrity uh, in that data that even if you try your best to protect it, you might not be able to. Um, and that's actually something we work on a fair bit in the research space um, because there is actually some advanced cryptographic techniques uh, that, can, that can help out there. So there's a technique called um, uh, homomorphic encryption where I can send encrypted data to... Uh, a cloud provider or some other party and have them do computation and then have them send an encrypted result back to me such that, you know, the party I'm sharing my data with uh, can never, never actually see the data that I'm sending them. So, you know, if I have a picture of myself that I you know, don't want to see, but I still, you know, want to image it in my collection and, the, you know, some cloud provider has a, has a machine learning model for that. Um, you know, there may actually be in the near future technology that makes that possible. And mm -hmm. obviously there's enormous implications in the regulatory space or the medical field, right? Like all the hospitals would like to collaborate on uh, sharing patient data to you know, do anomaly detection again, fairly similar to what we were just talking about uh, with sensitive, um, sensitive threat, uh, threat data. Um, but of course, in the current regulatory system, that might not, even, might not be possible. It might be very difficult. So, you know, how can you, um, how can you gain insight from data where either legally or morally it's, it's hard to share with other people? So, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that, that we do research in. And obviously, Julia is very good at this um, because it involves fairly sophisticated math and, you know, the one thing that Julia does really, really well is being able to express mathematical algorithms. You know, we have all the, um, all the symbols and all the uh, interactivity um, to implement those. So that's yeah. one of my passions is, is um, uh, research and these sort of fundamentally different techniques. Yeah, doing the math, as it were, and you get right down to brass tacks. That's how a lot of these machine learning and AI algorithms work. They're just crunching numbers and giving different perspectives or different views to the patterns of the numbers where you could see spikes, for example, of activity or hot zones 
There's another way to look at things. The point is you're using the algorithms, you're using the number crunching capability to really ascertain what's actually happening under the covers. And then the next step really requires a person. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I think human beings are always going to be a big part of uh, of cybersecurity. You need the technology. Yes, you need to be able to show your analyst, your security analyst, what's happening on the network, what's happening here, what's happening there. But at the end of the day, there is going to be a person who is watching all of that and giving either a green light, yes, this is a problem, or saying, no, that's a false alarm. And yes, the good technologies will remember when there was a false alarm. And that's really important stuff to understand when you get a false positive and record that back into the system such that it learns over time. And that's what these AI things are supposed to do. But we will pick that up after the break, folks. You are listening to the longest running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. We'll be right back. The impact of COVID-19 continues to affect every company in unprecedented ways. But now there's a plan to help you and your business get back on your feet. Vista 14 and Sun Broadcast Group proudly announce the Brand Impossible Marketing Makeover Campaign. With up to $200,000 to support fellow entrepreneurs and business owners like you, brighter days are ahead. Visit us at brandimpossible.com to complete a short business assessment. Once you fill it out, you'll be entered to win a $50,000 comprehensive marketing makeover by our award-winning design and interactive marketing teams. Brand identity, marketing and collateral design, public relations planning, social media support, and more. Getting back to business can seem overwhelming at such a fragile time. But when our time comes to open the doors again, we'll be there for you by your side to help you through. Visit brandimpossible.com today. See official sweepstakes rules for additional details. Brand Impossible. Be inspired by the possible. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. When you turn to Rocket Mortgage, we can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so now is a great time to call 8338-ROCKET. And if you need some extra money... A cash-out refinance could give you that financial boost you're looking for. Call today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. For small business owners, it's not business as usual. Amid the crisis, you're looking for answers, solutions, help. We see you. We hear you. We have something for you. CNBC.com slash small business. The latest in relief programs, loan forgiveness, tax help, and state-by-state updates. Protect your business. Check. Help. Go to CNBC.com slash small business. Check. A man wins $1 million lottery jackpot twice on the same day. A Colorado man identified only as Joe B won two $1 million Powerball jackpots back in March. With a little bit of luck and persistence, a Colorado man has hit the jackpot twice after playing the same numbers for over 30 years. Colorado officials identified Joe B as the winner of two $1 million Powerball jackpots in March. He claimed the winnings on a Friday. The winning tickets were sold on Lake Avenue in Pueblo at two different stores about a mile apart, officials said. Joe B. bought one ticket in the morning and one ticket in the evening. The Colorado Lottery received approval earlier this month to process the winning tickets worth $10,000 or more at a touch-free drive through claims office amid the coronavirus pandemic. Winners must make an appointment to claim their prize or do so through the mail. I guess Joe won't mind wearing a mask as he goes to claim his prize. Best disguise ever, hidden in plain sight. Do you have a great idea for a radio show but have no idea where to start? Or have you been hosting a podcast for a while and want to take it to the next level? If so, you need the Gab Radio Network. To host a show on the Gab Radio Network, all you need is your voice, and we'll handle the rest. From technical engineering to full-service audio production and much more. Every show on the Gab Radio Network can be heard on our station on the TuneIn Radio app. Plus, we put all our shows on our satellite, which is accessed by 5,500 stations. And here's the best part. You can host from anywhere you want. 
There are many means to connect to the Gab Radio Network remotely, and our staff of highly trained engineers and producers will make you sound like you're right here in studio. So, if you want to be on the Gab Radio Network, the same network that hosts the Small Business Advocate, Radio MD, and Talkin' Pets, send an email right now to sales at gabradionetwork.com. That's sales at gabradionetwork.com. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. We're talking all about cybersecurity, man. It's a big thing. It's never going away. We're always going to have to worry about this, really, as long as there are computers running which I'm thinking is going to be a long, long time. So cybersecurity, it's a cat and mouse game. Uh, it's an old game, but uh, there are some basic things you can do. We've already talked about on the show, password management, backup and recovery, make sure you're backing your files up. You don't want to be in a position where someone can get access to your data and then hold you hostage, and that's exactly what they do. And like I said, uh, they are ruthless. I've seen this happen. <laughs> happened to me a couple of times, and I said, I don't care. <laughs> How do you like that? Don't have any sensitive information. There's nothing you can do. Um, but yeah, you got to watch out for it. Check your bank accounts on a regular basis. Look at your bank accounts and just make sure that you are the one who, who paid for that stuff. It happens all the time. And our next guest uh, has a really cool offering in the space of authentication using Vision, any Vision, CMO, Adam Devine. Adam, tell us a bit about yourself and your company and how you're helping in the battle against cybercrime. Well, Eric, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you to Paul and Kino for your thoughtful observations. It's a great to be a, a part of this very timely conversation. AnyVision is a computer vision company, and we use AI to provide uh, face, object, and attribute recognition. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Commission specifically in this context for onboarding and authenticating employees and customers for services on personal devices. So we all know that, uh, you know, the, the, the work from anywhere, work from home trend is here to stay and rising very fast. We've all seen what's happened to Zoom stocks and Slack stocks. Well, the same thing is going to happen with any capability that makes it safer for a business to provide a service that involves sensitive data to an individual on their personal device. And that is one of our three capabilities. We call it remote authentication. Yeah, and that's really important these days. And I think you guys are on the right track as I think about the complexity of this whole industry of trying to ensure authenticity of people. To me, it's got to go way beyond passwords. And I'm pretty sure that the future is going to focus on triangulating various characteristics, most of which will be bio-based. In other words, your fingerprint, your eye scan, your, your facial scan, your voice, just the sound of your voice, triangulating those three things, I think it's going to be a very powerful means for verifying, yes, in fact, this is you, right, Adam? We believe you are absolutely right. 
you can't fake that. Yeah, you can't. That I think you to to Kino's or I guess it was um, Paul's point earlier. Uh, if you are uploading, like for your Alexa, for example, these other devices, there are copies of your voice going out there, and so people can get access to bits and pieces. But it's really the combination of those and the moment in time and things like where your cell phone is, where you are. All these vectors can be tracked to give a really good indication that you are who you claim to be. And that's going to be increasingly important as you access information systems for companies that are small or companies that are large. Because you know, to the point of this whole show, the bad guys are virtually everywhere and they can be anywhere in the world to pull off these crimes. Right, Adam? Indeed. And you mentioned a really important point. You mentioned that criminals can take a bit of a voice and purpose that. What's important for any kind of biometric authentication is that it have some kind of a liveness detection. And what mm -hmm. I mean by liveness in the context of facial recognition is the software needs to be able to look at an image provided by a government document, like a passport or a driver's license, and confirm and verify that the image that's in front of a, of, a, of a tablet or a laptop or a cell phone is in fact that image. And that, and here's what's important, that the person in front of the camera is a living human being. <laughs> so, so in the same way, I mean, you laugh, but it's true. In the same way that somebody could just grab a voice, uh, a lesser quality facial recognition authentication capability might just look at a picture that somebody is holding up in front of a cell phone and say, yep, that's the same picture. Right. So that's a blunt object technique. And what's critical is that the technology that's being used by banks and hospitals and employers to authenticate someone has an inherent capability to, 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 to prove liveness without mm -hmm. having someone pat their head and sing the national anthem and yodel or whatever it is. It's got to be an easy, fast, instant way of determining that someone is, in fact, a living human being. Yeah. And this computer vision stuff, it really does leverage some of the most cutting edge technologies out there. Deep learning, for example, deep learning models. It's becoming a real issue now. Uh, there, were, there was a story, I guess, a while ago that said one company in this space, someone tested it and came up with X percentage of U.S. congressmen who are <laughs> felons or something. So we, we do need to be careful about getting it right. How do you focus on margin of error and really tightening that and making sure that we don't get false positives or false negatives? What, what goes into that process? You know, it's, it's very much the same way that, that people learn. So it is all about the volume and quality of training data. Mm -hmm. And with regard to facial recognition, I think probably most of your listeners have been to an airport and stood in front of a, a terminal that uses facial recognition to authenticate you before you get on a flight. Or if you're going through global entry and you stand in front of a terminal and they know who you are and print out a copy of your customs form, that is what's called compliant facial recognition, where it's super easy for a machine to say, yep, that is Eric Kavanaugh. But it's a lot more difficult to do that if the, the lighting is poor or the angle is bad or there's a smudge on the camera. And that's, that's where the quality and quantity of training data comes into play. And we're seeing this now with bias as well. You know, mm -hmm. if, if a company is just using a particular race or gender to do training data, then the algorithm is going to be biased. And that's an unacceptable approach to the technology. So it's mm -hmm. critical for accuracy and for equality and an unbiased approach to ensure that facial recognition is trained with complete and varied training data. That's a really good point. Training data is absolutely critical in terms of getting these algorithms to do what we want them to do. And every once in a while, uh, from what I understand, you kind of have to shake up the model a little bit, right? Because there's something to be said for what's called overfitting the model. And if you overfit the model, then once again, your accuracy dwindles and the efficacy of the technology fades a bit, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, a bigger picture, it, it, technology is dynamic. And I think, you know, your other guests have spoken to this too. You can't just set it and forget it. It's got to be, it's got to be, you know, facial recognition even more so than other technologies. And when we're talking about convolutional neural networks, it's not the kind of thing where you can just train it once and deploy it. It's got to be tuned and optimized and it's got to be um, something, you know, this is, this is why it's important to provide uh, facial recognition as a, as a, not as a perpetual license, but as, you know, business speak, annual recurring revenue where you're paying for the use of the software because that makes it possible for the provider 
to constantly tune and test the software that's being used because it's a really important technology. And you know, when I look at some of these other big tech companies that just provide an open SDK or a platform, that's kind of a set it and forget it technology. They put it mm -hmm. out there, they let people build on top of it whatever they want, and then it gets into the wrong hands and then it's used for reasons that are off-premise and unethical. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And you know, I think one of the keys to remember, just again, a best practice is that this technology is a tool for the organization or people using the tool, meaning it's never going to be a be-all, end-all in and of itself. You're always going to have people involved in the process, helping to vet, making sure that it's working, but it helps you. It's just like when we talk about things like predictive analytics, it helps you find the needles in the haystack very quickly. So now you can start assessing the needles instead of spending all your time combing through the hay. So it's, it's going to get you to the five yard line basically, but then that last five yards is always going to involve responsible people who are to be held accountable for what they do. Is that about right? Those are two perfect metaphors, needle in the, needle in the haystack in the last five yards. Human in the loop is the academic term for it. And there has to be, you know, just like when our software is used to enhance safety with the security control room, the software isn't just automatically identifying uh, a convicted felon at, you know, the, the entry of a retail organization. There is a trained and tested uh, battle-proven human operator who's looking at those alerts and making a judgment. But what's right. important is that it is human plus machine. The, the machine can help to eliminate some of the problems with human judgment like fatigue and inherent bias and a human can eliminate some of the inherent problems of uh, of any technology which is that it is just a technology it's an algorithm it doesn't it's it's not filled with compassion and it can't it, it can't go out there and, and stop someone from committing a crime so it is a partnership between man and machine that's right. And I, I'm glad you brought that up that uh, you're right. One of my favorite expressions is that machines don't lie, right? A machine is going to do what it's told to do. Even if it's a very complex algorithm that's running on the machine, it's not going to choose to deceive you. There yes. was an article um, a while back about some study where they said, oh, this AI algorithm you know, intentionally hid something from the users. And it's another one of these cases where we're trying to find the edge case, I would say. But Again, the computers are going to do what they're trained to do, what they're programmed to do. And you do have to kind of watch what the model is doing, right? So sometimes, if you've come across this, I'm just kind of curious, uh, Adam, sometimes you do have to retrain the model. And you could have to start over even because it's, it's kind of gotten too far off track. Like you mentioned, if you're using only one set of people, like one race of people to train your model, it's going to be inaccurate for these others. There are times when you have to throw the model out and start over, right? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I should caveat that. I, I'm not a PhD, and there are lots and lots of PhDs that I am colleagues with who would be able to better answer that from a technical perspective. I, do, I, I can confidently say that you wouldn't throw any of our, our algorithms out, but in the case of, for example, detecting a face while wearing a mask, that's a question that we get a lot from customers right now is, does your software, can it, can it detect a person wearing a, a, a mask? And because of the reasons that I mentioned before, the fact that our software was trained on more challenging conditions, the answer is yes, but that yes is an asterisk. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no such thing as facial recognition that is perfect with an obscured face. I know based on testing that our software provides uh, a more accurate result than most. And, you know, it's, it's still being used in the field with confidence. But what that says to me is we need to have more training with people who have mostly obscured faces. So right. I think you're right. It's got to be, it's got to be constantly optimized and tuned. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess I'll bring Kino Fisher back in from Julia to kind of talk about this training models. One of, one of the ways I've heard it described is that sometimes you have to throw a bunch of noise at the model just to, to kind of throw it off a little bit so it can get its bearings again, which is kind of interesting, but it's sort of a lesson in contrast and a lesson in, uh, really trying to ensure that the algorithms are doing what you want them to do and that the feedback loop is nice and clean. But what do you think about that, Kino? Yeah, I mean, training machine learning models is, at this point, still a bit of an art. Um, and particularly with the most state-of-the-art models, um, because somewhat 
um, ironically, perhaps, the state-of-the-art models um, are the ones that are least likely to actually actually work well um, <laughs> because they're sort of the like edge case that the authors of the paper happen to be able to reach, right? So if you if you try to replicate it, then um, by definition, you know, if something was published, you have to get as lucky as the authors got um, to be able to replicate it. So uh, training uh, training these models is is really really hard. And as we talked about, the quality of the of the training set is one of the one of the huge determining factors. Um, but even on the same training set, um, you know, if you train the same machine learning model twice on the same training set, you can get vastly different. Um, qualities of the of the end result um, because it ultimately is an optimization procedure so you know you start you start with basically a random model and then you you know run it for a bit and see how it works and then the computer automatically tunes it until it gets better but it's it's very easy for it to get stuck and that's the uh, you know, that's the point where you know the uh, thing you mentioned about kicking it with randomness mm -hmm. um, some of the training techniques for for these machine learning models when they do get stuck, involve just like randomly overriding a bunch of the things that it has learned in sort of the hopes that if you then restart the training procedure, it will end up in a better place and not get and not get stuck. So it's a it's a very, very non-trivial thing to correctly train these models. Yeah. And and to Adam's point, it's an ongoing process. You don't just Oh yeah, absolutely absolutely. I mean the sort of most sophisticated uh, machine learning deployments um, at the at the major providers. Those machine learning models get retrained constantly, like every couple of hours. In sort of the uh, you know most extreme case, um, partly because behaviors can change fairly quickly. I mean, you know, we talked about the pandemic, and before the show, right. we talked a bit about how all of these machine learning models were trained on you know pre-pandemic data. So if they <laughs> can't adjust to the behavior, then they're probably going to be wrong. But even just like hourly or daily trends or, you know, redesigns to your website or, you know, right. some new product was released and suddenly all the consumers care about that product, but it was never in the training set before. That's right? right. So usually yeah, what watch, happens. Yeah, you got to watch out for all that stuff for sure. The world is changing all the time. And uh, the way companies capture data and use data, that's changing all the time. We're in a constant state of flux, basically. But folks will pick that up after the break. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to DM Radio. We'll be right back. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Attention, all women who have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Johnson & Johnson's baby powder and shower-to-shower -shower talcum products have been linked to ovarian cancer. In February and May 2016, Johnson & Johnson was ordered to pay $72 million and $55 million by two juries to two women who contracted ovarian cancer after years of using talcum baby powder products. If you or a family member has been diagnosed with ovarian cancer and used talcum powder prior to the diagnosis, call Talcum Powder Help now today at 1-888-726-2721. You may be entitled to substantial compensation. The consultation is free and you'll pay nothing unless there is a recovery in your favor. Don't fight this alone. If you or a loved one used talcum baby powder-based products before being diagnosed with or died from ovarian cancer, call Talcum Powder Help now at 1-888-726-2721. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 1-888-726-2721. Are you occasionally stressed? 
feeling fatigued or experiencing mental burnout? It doesn't have to be this way. Help your body adapt to all kinds of stress, support mood balance and healthy energy levels, and nurture a sense of well-being with Quantum Nutrition Lab's Max Stress B and Quantum Stress Support. For a limited time, both are on special. Buy two bottles and get the third one free. Call 512-641-5628. That's 512-641-5628. Or visit us online at qnlabs.com. That's qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Nick Miles. Nissan has announced that it will temporarily suspend production of its manufacturing facilities in the U.S. through April 6th in an effort to protect its workforce from COVID-19 coronavirus. The company is taking this action to boost containment efforts where possible around the COVID-19 virus. For those having difficulty making payments, Nissan and NMAG customer service may offer payment extensions based on each customer's current situation. For more automotive tech news, go to testmiles.com. The all-new Highlander comes equipped with five USB ports, perfect for fully charging everyone's smartphone. No phone is dying on your watch. That's how you go Highlander. Toyota, let's go places. May not be compatible with all mobile phones, MP3, WMA players, and like models. You're listening to Global American Broadcasting, the Gab Radio Network. For more info on our programs and services, including technical operations and syndication, Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. We're talking all things cybersecurity with an all-star cast. We've been talking to Paul Lippman of Bullguard, Adam Devine of Any Vision, and Kino Fisher of Julia Computing. And uh, Paul, I'd like to bring you back in to talk about the blessing and curse of modern cybersecurity being this embarrassment of riches we have with respect to data sources. There are so many sources of data that we can use these days. Certainly your mobile phone is just spinning off data 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even when it goes off, it sends a bunch of data out like, oh, I'm going off, <laughs> right? Uh, it's amazing what's out there. Uh, although I will say we had a great guest last week who pointed out that uh, even though there are millions and millions of apps on these various phones, she said the data shows that 10 apps get 90% of the activity. Right. So that right. means that means that yeah. all the other 10 million are carving up 10%, which is kind of interesting. But what do you think about the, the complexity, the richness of data available, and how do you kind of hack through that to get to the signal you need for your purpose? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of, uh, I think, a couple of points to make there. I think kind of one of the, the dirty little secrets of um, the internet, uh, and certainly from a consumer perspective, is the amount of data that we as individuals uh, are putting out there and how that data is being used. Whether that's clickstream data, cookie data, the data that we're putting on social media, uh, I think the vast majority of people would, would be stunned um, to realize how that data is being used and abused uh, by a variety of commercial interests. I'll give you just a couple of, of examples. Um, one of the very large free antivirus companies, it was, it was recently publicly disclosed. Um, you know, when you get something for free, um, you've got to realize that the product right. is you, right? <laughs> and, and so they were collecting all of the clickstream data. Um, they say in an anonymized format, um, we have to trust them on that, right? Uh, for hundreds of millions of people around the world. Uh, and then selling that data in, in aggregate format to hedge funds. And hedge funds were using this to say, okay, what products are selling on Amazon? How is Walmart doing? How is Netflix doing? And they know that because they're looking across hundreds of millions of people. Um, there are others who will use that data in, in less uh, anonymized fashion to build very sophisticated profiles of you as an individual that gets linked up with your geo data 
from your cell phone that gets linked up with credit card data to build a very detailed profile of you, Eric Kavanaugh, as an individual. And for most people, it's completely invisible. I think the other example is social media. We're all putting images, pictures of us, our friends, our pets, our, our cooking out into the, uh, the ecosystem. There was a company uh, who, uh, again, was disclosed publicly, have been aggregating facial information, very different from, I know, Adam, from what your company does, but then selling that facial data to, to law enforcement. So all of a sudden, the, the pictures I've been putting out there of myself on social media uh, are now accessible for, for purposes that I hadn't uh, originally intended. Um, so I, I think that's really worth understanding as a consumer that, you know, the data is not free. It comes with a price and there are real privacy uh, implications. Uh, in terms of the data, uh, how do we get signal from the noise and data in our business? So we look at uh, literally billions of data points on a daily basis. We're looking at processes running on our customers' systems, uh, file behavior, uh, phishing URLs, DNS requests. We even set up what are called honeypots, which are systems we put out there on the public internet for the sole purpose of attracting the bad guys so we can understand what they're up to. Uh, and then yeah. we build these models that will look at all of these data points to identify malicious behavior and enable us to keep our customers protected by staying one step ahead. Yeah, that's brilliant, by the way. I'm really glad you brought that up because that is one of the most clever tricks out there I've seen, especially in the cybersecurity world, is the honeypot concept. So you put it out there, something of value, wait for the bad guys to come and get it. I even One of the best presentations I ever saw about security was in Malaysia, and it was an Indian gentleman who told a whole story of, the, of how security, he said, lunch is not a food. And his point was that lunch is an event at which you can have any number of types of food, but lunch itself is not a single object. And his point is security is just like that. Security is an amalgam of processes, technologies, people, and it's ever-changing. So, But data is a big, big part of that. We're getting much better at that, but it's such a, a moving target. And I guess, uh, Adam, I'll bring you back in to comment on that. Um, you guys, of course, are focused on visual and, and I'm sure you've got some other stuff in the hopper as well. But uh, what do you think about this just amazing opportunity, but the challenge of dealing with so many different data sources these days? Well, you know, I think for us, it's easier because we are not an open SDK. We're not an open platform. We are very much a walled garden. We are a protected, guarded, ethics-driven, regulatory-driven, compliance-riddled garden. And that is how we want to keep it. Facial recognition, in our view, is an incredibly powerful tool, and the data for facial recognition must come from authorized sources, you know, steeped in ethics and governed by legislation. So, you know, an example is I mentioned before all this fervor about Amazon and IBM pulling out of facial recognition. They are more exposed because their SDKs can be manipulated by third parties. You know, they can mm. data can come from anywhere. With, with those situations. With us, like another example uh, would be touchless access control. So using facial authentication to open a controlled point of entry to eliminate the risk of touching a surface, like using a swipe or uh, a fingerprint or punching into a keypad. In this case, a building has to ask its tenants, are you okay with me giving your face to a machine that will look at your face and open the turnstile so that you can hold your Starbucks and hold your phone and walk through a gate without having to touch anything. Yep. That's the right approach to facial recognition. Another approach is getting a watch list from uh, law enforcement with convicted criminals or convicted pedophiles or shoplifters or organized, organized criminals and giving that list to, uh, to a school system that wants to prevent violence on its grounds or giving it to a retailer that wants to prevent what's called shrinkage or shoplifting. Those are all ethical, um, you know, law and legislation driven uses of, of data and technology. And what we have to guard against, you know, it's like if you allowed uh, an autonomous driving company to use a 13 year old using a video game as training data for autonomous <laughs> driving, what would that be? That would be disastrous. Yeah. And uh, on the same token, you wouldn't let someone who builds a video game get into the autonomous driving 
market because you wouldn't want that entity building a device that carries a human life. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And you're right. I'm glad you brought up the whole topic of ethics. And I'll throw this over to Kino. I'm glad that we're discussing the ethics of these technologies because Adam makes a, such a good point. We have to be careful how we deploy them. And, you know, by and large in, in the United States, data, it's the wild west. I mean, it's amazing what can be done with data these days. And I do think we need to be a bit more responsible from a legislative perspective. I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. But it's good that we're talking about ethics because these are very powerful technologies and they can be used and abused. And of course, they are abused by the bad guys who are out there trying to steal things, steal identities and hold your, <laughs> your, your data hostage for a ransom. I think we can all agree that is a bad action. So what do you think about the ethics of AI, especially as regards cybersecurity? Oh boy. I mean, this is, this is a very, um, a, a very challenging area. I mean, and not just, not just for AI, but for, for technology in general, right? Because I mean, you know, the, you know, nuclear weapons have always been the favorite analogy for anybody warning of, of the danger of technology. But, you know, I think we're seeing even in the past couple of years, just the sort of dangers that mass surveillance can have in, you know, the suppression of free speech, um, the like instillment of fear in a, in a way that just wasn't possible before, before this technology arose. So I, I do think that sort of we as technologists have a responsibility to make sure that the technology we develop is used ethically, um, but at the same time doing it in such a way that doesn't do more harm than good. And what I mean by that is um, that, you know, one approach would be to say, okay, the only entity allowed to use facial recognition is the government, for example, because you know, we trust that they, that they won't abuse it. Um, but that, you know, that might not, not necessarily be the correct approach because it would prevent people from looking into the equity issues and looking into, you know, Right. issues surrounding the fairness and the the ethical use of these technologies so uh, yeah it is it really does have to be a consortium a public-private partnership and i think we're getting closer to that in our society i certainly hope that we are but you make a really good point and that is we have to be careful about these things we have checks and balances in our government the equal branches of power are supposed to be checking and balancing each other and there is a another check and balance and that is you and me not just as voters, because that's only every two to four years, for example, but on a regular basis. And so I look and I'll call out to, to our listeners out there, get actively involved in the conversation, get involved in this discussion about ethics, because we do need to be very careful. We're entering some very strange times, very powerful, compelling times, but we need to be the ballast. We need to be pulling back and making sure things are working properly. And it's time for the podcast bonus segment. Email me, info at dmradio.biz. You've been listening to DM Radio. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flagship station. Our rates are affordable and our services are second to none. We broadcast on three terrestrial frequencies to a population of 5 million people. Plus, we stream and podcast on all major online audio and video systems. If you've been thinking about broadcasting a weekly radio program on real radio plus the Internet, contact our CEO at 281 you can Skype your show from your home to our Redlands, California studio where our live producers and engineers are ready to work with you personally. A radio program on KCAA is the perfect work from home avocation in these stressful times. Just type KCAARadio.com into your browser to learn more about hosting a show on the best station in the nation or call our CEO for details. 281-599-9800. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.